0: I like the sound. I
1: like the sound. I like
0: the sound. I like the sound.
1: I like the sound.
0: I like the sound.
2: A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag
0: podcast.
2: A ragbag podcast.
3: The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. What was that? The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain.
0: Again. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain.
1: Good afternoon to you. Earlier on today, apparently, a woman rang the BBC and said she heard that there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. But having said that, actually, the weather will become very windy. But most of the strong winds, incidentally, will be down over Spain.
0: The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain.
1: Well, Earlier on today, apparently, a woman rang the BBC and said she heard that there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching...
0: By George, he's got it!
1: By George, he's got it! My George has got it! My George has got it! Talking about the weather. It's all part of English life. I realise this is a stereotype but it's probably a fairly accurate one. English people do like talking about the weather. Complaining about it mostly. This in itself is rather ironic considering that by and large we have very little to complain about. Earthquakes are non-existent, In Hartford, Hereford and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly happen. That is an accurate statement.
3: In Hartford, Hereford and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly happen.
1: We don't have volcanoes either. Do volcanoes count as weather? I don't think so, but I'm going to talk about volcanoes in a minute, so please consider this an awkward segue. The point I was coming to was this. Having lived in England all of my life, I've never experienced any kind of natural disaster. Luckily, I've managed to track down some cool people who have, so we can hear about their experiences for this week's episode. One thing that's occurred to me while researching this subject and examining natural disasters from a sound point of view. It's not just about the sound of the thing itself, it's about the silence. This keeps coming up again and again. What does a natural disaster sound like? Sometimes it's deafening and sometimes it's the absence of sound that we remember the most. The closest I've ever come to experiencing the after-effects of a natural disaster was in 2010, when the eruptions of Eyjafjallajokull in Iceland caused massive amounts of disruption to air travel in Western and Northern Europe. The major disruption only lasted a week, but the funny thing was, for the whole of that week, I was attending an exhibition at the Birmingham NEC for the job I was working in at the time. Myself and three or four colleagues were staying in a hotel in Birmingham City Airport. What would usually be a crowded, frantic and inescapably noisy environment. Not so in that week in May 2010. Every single plane had been grounded. The whole airport was pretty much empty. Most of the lights were out, even the hotel was empty. It was me, a couple of workmates and the staff and that was about it. I quite liked it. I liked the eerie silence of the place most nights after the exhibition was over, I'd wander around the empty airport just listening to the absence of sound. It was like a scene from a J.G. Ballard novel. This, for what it's worth, is my one and only natural disaster story. To be fair, it doesn't really feel like a natural disaster story because, due to me being 2,000 miles from the volcano itself, it didn't sound like a natural disaster. Natural disasters are supposed to be loud, right? Maybe. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Let's hear from Jay Hatcher DeZola.
3: I got to spend a lot of time down south. Uh, the south being southern America, like southern states like uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina. And these kind of areas kind of really suffer some really strange weather. Stra- extraordinarily strange. Particularly in this Era now you know with all the carbon emissions and stuff, that all leads itself to really unpredictable weather. I have you know, and, and, and particularly in northern Florida, we spent a lot of time on, in the in the rural area there. There were there was a hurricane, you know, Hurricane Andrew. I don't know if it was going way back. Hurricane Andrew, I think, it was like nineteen ninety. Um, it came in and it just absolutely devastated the area, caused a, a couple billion dollars in damage. And you know what, though? There's nothing more beautiful than a storm. There's a certain electricity in the air before it arrives. You can smell a storm coming, particularly if you're moving quickly. If you're moving, if you're driving down the road. This is impending, you know. You know, storms are directional. You know, it, You know, they're not a. Uh, you know, obviously, they're not kind of like a a uniform blanketed thing that just kind of sweeps over. No storm. A storm has a magnitude and a direction, and if you get in the, if you get in the path of that thing. It's, it can be absolutely devastating and, and, and it can be like a revelation to experience the force of nature in that way you know with the smell of the rain the fall of hailstones I mean dry dot it's a you know hitting you to make love in a shack while there's a serious storm above and you feel and hear every cup of rain hitting the roof it's a magical thing and it and, and it has most magical things it's very temporary and it'll never happen the same way again which is the beautiful the, the beautiful thing about a thunderstorm. You know? And they're so critical and key, too, because, you know, they, during the thunderstorm, a lot of water is dumped, tons of water is dumped. And generally after a prolonged period of dryness, you know, uh, arid conditions, another storm that I went through here was right here, Hurricane Sandy, that uh, back in, I think, uh, it was like 2011, 2012, hit the New York City area quite hard. Uh, it was devastating. You, if you look online, you you can see uh, YouTube, entire subway stations just completely awash in water. I saw this one particularly impressive video where uh, there's this elevator shaft opening up. I think it was the subway, MTA subway. The doors opening, and it was just kind of like a rush of water coming out a la The Shining. Yes. Where the blood comes out yes. Yeah, except, except it was water. The, 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 the awesome power of nature, it, it, you know, especially a storm. Uh, just going back to Florida again. I remember this one particular time I was down south and uh, we were getting battered by a tornado. And during a tornado, you have a lot of violent thunderstorms. And again, this sense of this feeling of electricity and the smell of rain in the air and uh it was a cattle ranch and poor cows unfortunately they go underneath i don't know if i should tell the story Uh, but they go underneath the tree trees while it's thundering and lightning well saw a big bolt land and on a tree where all these poor cattle were around a couple of them got fried um but we didn't know that until we (laughs) approached some ways off, and we can see, you know, these hooves in the air, um, and these coral gals are on their back, and uh, they got struck by lightning, you know, and they're just out in the field, um, so yeah, you know, these, these kind of things can be really dangerous and uh, uh, unpredictable the power of a storm.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, really interesting the way that you described it, and uh, in terms of it being devastating, but also kind of an amazing thing at the same time. It's kind of a, quite a, a mix of emotions to kind of witness that, I guess.
3: Absolutely, you feel so small. That's that's one of the biggest things. Is like, you know, to witness that kind of force, it kind of really reminds you. Of who truly is in charge, and it's not humanity, it's not mankind. You know, in an instant, you'd be wiped off the face of the earth, just like that. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, the awesome power of nature.
1: Let's hear from Steph Fuccio.
0: I was in a big earthquake in Los Angeles like 20 or so years ago. but That and typhoons in Japan and Taiwan.
1: Do you remember these, these events from, from like a sound point of view as in terms of what the sound was like?
0: Huh. I never thought of them like that. Because for the earthquakes, it was mostly, for me, it, it was the sounds of the aftershocks that were terrifying because then you like I would listen for how creaky things would be during the aftershocks to wonder if it was going to be as strong as the initial earthquake and so there was a a certain holding your breath kind of waiting for the level of creakiness to reach a certain amount and that's the only sound I can think of.
1: Okay what is the creakiness that you're referring to there?
0: Yeah. It must be the building that the building that I was in or the buildings that I was in. Cause it, it happened for, I want to say months afterwards. Cause it was, I want to say 6.9 or whatever magnitude earthquake. I'm pretty sure it was the Northridge earthquake. Oh gosh. In the early nineties, it was pretty big. So the, the aftershocks were like five and above on the Richter scale, which is pretty decent in and of itself. So each time one would happen, the, it was in Los Angeles. So the the buildings would sway a certain way because they had to be built to a certain code so that they would withstand a certain amount of uh, quakiness, so to speak. So there, there was a certain sound that the buildings would make when they moved to, ma- to deal with the movement of the, the ground basically opening up or moving side to side or crushing against each other because there's different kinds of earthquakes. I shortly learned after experiencing my first big one. <laughs> so it depends yeah. on which kind of earth movement or collision was happening. And so there was a, a creakiness to the building that was different with the different magnitude and with the different kinds of earthquakes. And I've never thought about this from a sound perspective. So this is really interesting, but the one type of earthquake is just the, the ground moving side to side. Another kind is when it's moving up and down. And then of course you have to have the combination where it could do both at the same time. And those have a slightly different, not just a different feel physically when you're in the building, but a different sound to them. Hmm. Like a different yeah. level of creakiness. <laughs>
1: Let's hear from Not Another Poet.
2: One of the strange
1: things about living in
2: China with weather things was, was that so the government sometimes had these big events going on and it was always, I mean Beijing, they always managed to basically create this thing that it was blue skies and clear weather and no pollution. And it was all kind of planned, and even the clouds they could they could send up. I think they were sending up some kind of aircraft to sort of break up the clouds and that kind of thing. Oh, really? You can actually do that. I believe Paul McCartney wants to for for
1: a concert, so. but um, so yeah. you got the Chinese government <laughs> and Paul McCartney, yeah, <laughs> employing the same tactics. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had no much. idea it could clear the clouds from the sky. No, no,
2: there's some oh. some technique. Yeah, oh, okay. so you, whenever you see some government, um, big government event in China, there's always clear blue skies. And I mean, they they close the factories the week before to make sure that there's no pollution, for example. Okay. Um, and they do this somehow. They manage to get rid of any clouds if there are any. Um, so yeah, basically it's kind of just uh, yeah, bit of a ruse, really. They, they manage to manipulate the weather. And, wow. Mm.
1: Do you reckon yeah. they do that? Like, uh, if they just fancy a bit of sunbathing? <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: They might have a, a trouble closing all the factories for that reason. Maybe. Well, no. If,
1: if I was a, if I was a dictator of some kind, <laughs> not necessarily in, in yeah. Beijing, mm. but in a less polluted environment, I could, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I
2: wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if Fulham can do it, then why can't? It's the sort I of thing that, the, that would
1: happen uh, in North uh, Korea. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Less industrialised, so all you got to worry about is clouds, mm. so get rid of the clouds. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: yeah. I was going to say Saudi Arabia, but you probably don't get any many clouds there, anyway. Yes, it's
1: the equivalent of a cold day in hell. It's uh, a cloudy day in Saudi Arabia. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's quite. It's quite interesting when you when you're in places which can deal with um, snow very well, and we we're in a country that doesn't deal with snow. No, no, we can't they, handle it. I don't know yeah, why. They <laughs> it just can't. Yeah, everything closes and you can't. But I've been to places where in the north of China, I was in, I was in Pennsylvania in in the US as well. And they, it's just part of winter, It's what happens in winter. So they just nothing ever changes really. Life goes on. They just sweep up the snow, put it on the pile up on the side of the side of the road, and um, yeah get over there it really. and um, it's just you know it's just they're uh, not intimidated I suppose in the same way that we we seem to be <laughs>
1: yeah it's true yeah I don't know what's going on we haven't got those things I think of that, that episode of the Simpsons where Homer <laughs> drives the, um, the, the plough he calls himself Mr. Oh, plough yeah, yeah. and that, there's no equivalent to that in <laughs> the UK no no there's no there mm. aren't any vehicles like snow clearing vehicles Mm-hmm. that I've seen well there probably are but none that I've seen with my eyes let's <laughs> no. spray a bit of salt around <laughs> and a bit of salt there you go that'll sort it all out um, yeah. yeah but and it happens we, in,
2: it happens it doesn't happen as often but it happens often enough to over centuries to be able to try and think of a solution to it <laughs> as opposed to just giving up every year but
1: yeah, there you are. It, it's, it's an organisational thing. Yeah.
3: The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. What was that? The rain...
0: The rain in Spain stays mainly in
1: the plain. Highlight like the Sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. A complete list of source material can be found in the show notes. Many thanks to this week's wonderful guests, Jay hatcher Zola, Steph Buccio and Not Another Poet. Check out the links to their work elsewhere in the world. Jay Hatchidazola is one of the finest artists around, an idiosyncratic musician and all-round good guy. He's appeared on my other podcast Ragbag a couple of times talking about his career. If you want a nice little introduction to his work do check those out. Have a look at stephbuccio.com for more information about Steph's work. She runs the Geopats podcast network which features a whole bunch of high quality very interesting shows. Not Another Poet is one half of the band New Age of Decay. I highly recommend that you check out their new album. It's on Bandcamp right now. Go for it. My website is frankburton.co.uk. My new novel, Getting Away With It, is out now, and it's brilliant. The audiobook version is on Bandcamp, currently set to name your price. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Presents. Please do share the show around. Give us a rating and review. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon.